people live righteously. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and as the music indicates, when you get the full verse of the whole thing, it means it's a news episode. And joining me mm-hmm. from the quarantined, what looks like master bedroom down yep. just outside of Austin, Texas, it's uh, my friend, not elected yet, but maybe soon elected, uh, Judge Chow Wild. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be with you today. Have you always wanted to be a judge? Yeah. Um, Wait, that's really? That's what initially inspired me to be an attorney. Yes, okay. I was a district judge in Salt Lake County, um, and that's when I something had happened, and he came down and ruled against public opinion, and that's when I said, I want to be that person. I want to do that. But, you know, you're the, I was 12 or 13, and I that's many milestones away, so that's what initially started me on this path of being a lawyer was a district judge in Salt Lake County. I had no idea. I thought yeah. it was I thought it was just a thing where it's like, listen, the judge has a little bit better hours. You don't have to do the, <laughs> you know, the weekend no, stuff or their hours are worse. Oh. So right now it's like I can go pick up my kids from school. I can do whatever. But um I really think it's, you know, a public service and and we need good experienced judges. And I think the stars have to kind of line up perfectly. Nobody's entitled to do it. So it works out, I've got the experience to take it on. So Now, it's an interesting thing because from my voting experience, I find that I care deeply and passionately, typically, about whom I might vote for mayor or governor or the president of the United States. And when it comes to judge, I go, uh, wild. Wild is mild. I like mild salsa. Vote wild. And then I kind of make that choice. How are you helping people know anything about you? Or is it just luck of the, you know, how people know about you? Yeah, I think it's a combo of both. I mean, my husband reminds me constantly that nobody really cares who the judge is. Nobody knows, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm doing um, a number of events, meet the candidate events, uh, coffee with the candidate, although I will be drinking my Dr. Pepper. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's the catchy phrase. Hot cocoa with the candidate sounds like preschool hour. Right. So um, I'm doing those events. I'm also doing kind of a neat event with a former SUU alumnus uh, with Jill Stevens. We're going to do a former Miss Utah and almost Miss USA. Yeah. Top 16 for Miss USA. So she lives outside of Dallas and we are having her come down and speak. We're going to do this leadership and service event. And it'll be a a campaign fundraiser, but the goal is also to encourage women and young girls to, you know, put themselves out there and make that choice to be a leader and to do service and to, you know, jump into an election and to chase their dreams. So win or lose, that event has me really excited as something that I'm bringing to my community and that I'm really grateful that she's on board for. Uh, an additional thing, if people want to listen uh, to hear the amazing story of Jill Stevens Shepherd, it's episode 23 of the Cultural Hall. She's been here before. I wanted to get that number. And that's easiestly, uh, most easiest attained if you are a Patreon saint. You can go to patreon.com forward slash the Cultural Hall. That's one of the first uh, like half year episodes of mm-hmm. the Cultural Hall that she was on. How long, when you when you serve as a judge, how long do you serve as a judge for? Four years, and okay. then you're up for re-election. It, Texas is different than Utah. 
Utah, I believe they're appointed by the governor and then they can be recalled or reevaluated um, every election. And okay. so in Texas, it's just straight election. So hmm. people totally decide. Um, you could have somebody who's never walked into a courtroom, but everybody's like, oh, Sam Houston. He, he remembered the Alamo. I'll mm-hmm. vote for him. <laughs> so that's the risk in Texas is getting somebody that it's name recognition, but no experience. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and I have to ask a complete question. That's none of my business. Is it, it, does it pay well? Is being a judge a, a, a financially viable option or is it more the public service square? It pays pretty good. I mean, yeah. it, you earn more as a partner at a law firm. Um, but at the same time, you also get your health benefits attached to that. So I think that's huge in this day and age, but the pay, it's, it's nothing. It's north of 150K. It's in the range. I think it's depending on a number of factors, 156, I think is the floor and it goes up in the 250s. Wow. So, and and then as a district judge, are there things that like you can't rule on or is it anything that, that comes to that court? Well, there it needs to be an amount in controversy greater than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay. And you don't you don't evict people. It's not landlord tenant stuff. It's typically your felony crimes, so death penalty, uh, robbery, sexual assault, those high crimes, and then um, personal injury stuff that kind of stuff. Uh, you could also do family law and divorce, but in our County, we've got a special judge that handles all of those. So mm-hmm. most of the cases go to him. So, and, and then the last question, then we'll sort of move on to some of this is how many times has your husband, uh, saying the song, here comes the judge, here comes the judge from the old, <laughs> I think eighties or nineties television show. He has not said that yet, ah, but maybe okay. he will. So maybe he's waiting for but, you to be elected. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, he doesn't want to jinx it. Sure, so. sure. Yeah. Well, very cool. Yeah. Uh, I I would be curious, uh, Madam Judge Wild, if you would rule in this the thing that's got the. Uh, the thorn in my side or the thing that's got me riled up today, uh, Salt Lake mm-hmm. County, as of this recording, has a mask mandate. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I attend and worship in, uh, in the Salt Lake County. And I want to be very clear about how I talk about this because to many, I'm sure, as we are now approaching two years, two good solid COVID years about everything, um, you know, that it's not just the same conversation. So I brought it up. I, I posted this on the Facebook page for the Cultural Hall. Uh, the county has a mask mandate. Now, I mm-hmm. I work in Utah County that does not have a mask mandate. And tomorrow, when I go to work, I won't wear a mask. Why? Mm-hmm. Because in the county which I work, it doesn't have a mask mandate, and I don't prefer to wear them. I think that they are safe. I think they can help you. I think some of it's a peace of mind, and I think some of it is the science behind it, right? I'm not really talking mm-hmm. about anything beyond that that county doesn't have a mask mandate. So when I attend my place of employment, that does not have – it says suggested, and I sometimes go, okay, well, if I'm going to be in a meeting mm-hmm. with a lot of people, I'll suggest one of two things, which is – I want to sit away from a lot of people, make the meeting as short as possible, or can we move this online because I'm sensitive to those things. But otherwise, I'm not like a, I'm not a, a strict mask guy. But when I went to church today, it was ward conference, 
We had not more people than usual, but we had, you know, a couple hundred people. And it's in Salt Lake County. And, and sure enough, about 50% of the people were wearing masks. And it took me a long time, a long time to get over the fact that I was in the county where a mask was mandated for any indoor activities and people weren't adhering to it. Mm-hmm. I don't actually need you to rule. I already know what the. So I was like, I don't know what the question is here, but yep, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just maddening. And people that, you know, that likened me, because I called the particular ward out on Facebook and people, you know, likened me to, you know, uh, people telling people that there were Jews that were hiding out in a house and that, you oh know, and they should go get, and I'm like, no, not, not at all the yeah. same, not nope. nearly the same, nope. but, but it's a 30 day mandate because there's lots of cases and you, the mm-hmm. other counties have not chosen to do it. I did a wedding in Davis County, which is North of, uh, Salt Lake County. And I didn't wear a mask there. I stayed away from people, etc. And I didn't care that people weren't wearing a mask there because there wasn't a mm-hmm. mandate. I just feel like. Listen, the church especially, but anyone, you just, if that's the county, if that's the rules of where you're at, you do what the rules say. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard, I think, because it's different everywhere. So yeah. in our county this week, we had 4,000 new cases. Right. Just in my, my county, right? That's a very small area to have a 4,000 increase. My congregation has changed nothing. We're still at two hours. Don't have to wear masks to church. You just you go and you get infected, I guess. So we chose to stay home, one, because I I had COVID. And so Russ at, with five kids at Your church. Your husband, I yeah. Mean, yeah. My husband at church with five kids. Uh, you know, that's when the sacrament's going to get sneezed on. Like they're going to spit in every single cup that comes along the tray. We thought we'll save you all from not only COVID, but, you know, pink eye, the flu, whatever nasty germs my kids are carrying. But um you know, it's, it's hard because it's different and it, there's both, there's an attempt to be consistent and to modify and change. But I I would think we would have had some change and we, we hadn't. And so I think it's one of those, you know, govern yourself, like really govern yourself, use your intelligence, govern yourself, because otherwise you're going to say, but they're not, and they are, and what about, and if we, and that's there. And yeah, then you're just going to get caught in that web and there's there's no good answer, you yeah. know? It's just... Yeah, except that, and where I get so riled up is, you're right, there is no good answer. And yes, it's different. And everyone should make their own choice. But it's a county that's mandated that if you're mm-hmm. indoor and yeah. gathering, that you wear yeah. a mask and that's it. And I, whether or not I agree with that or think it's a pain mm-hmm. or really want to do it or think it's saving lives or think it's killing people or any of the things, yeah. I just I just go, listen... It's done. It's said. Count the days. It's 27 more, and then we don't have the mask mandate anymore. Thank you for coming. Wear your mask. Yeah. Well, I agree, but you know what? There's. I think you probably have the same number of people that are breaking speed limits on the road, right? I know. They're like, I yeah, know. I know that's the speed limit, but I'm in a rush, so we're going to just floor it a little bit. So I think, I don't know. I don't have the good answers. All I All I know is that I speed sometimes. And then I look at numbers and say, hey, kids, you're staying home. So That was very yeah. judicious of you. You're going to be making a great judge. <laughs> I am proud yep. of the way that you dealt with that. Anything else going on? How was COVID for you? 
Um, it was not bad, so I just had a runny nose, and I just watched a lot of Netflix. And, Anything good? Um, no, I mean, I so I'm in a weird place in my life where I never really watched R-rated anything ever. Uh-huh. But I'm now 37, and I feel like I think I can handle the TV show Yellowstone. Okay, okay. So I watched that show. Yeah. But uh, and I watched uh, I watched most of The Witcher. Okay. So. But again, I think a lot of a lot of uh, more prudent church members will say, "Ooh, yeah." So those both drop the f bomb a lot. I mean, not nearly as much as I hear attorneys say. Sure. Um, but yeah, I watched those two. I tried to watch that. Don't look up. Mm-hmm. Well, I did watch it. I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> it wasn't. I wasn't a fan. What else yeah. did I watch? I thought it would be funnier. I thought it would be funnier. That yeah. was the premise that I got wrong. It's very satirical, and I, I've mm-hmm. I've done the thought about watching it again to try and gain from it. What I, you know, a lot of people that I respect are like, no, it's not necessarily meant to be so funny. It's more of a satire. That's the Mm -hmm. approach I need to go. Because when I went into it, I was like, oh, I bet they're going to be so funny. And it's not a funny movie at all. Not not really, anyway. It was really obvious jokes. So I did did also watch the new Ghostbusters because I was behind on that. Okay. I enjoyed that. Okay. I did. um, And on Living Scriptures, I watched How to Train Your Husband. Oh, really? Which is like a... Yeah. My my daughter was like, it's such a good movie, Mom. You'll love it. And I was Uh like... You're 10. Why, why are you watching this romantic comedy about... It's a play on how to train your husband using like a puppy training manual. Uh-huh. So my 10-year-old really thought it was good and recommended it to me. And so I watched it. It wasn't bad, but I was also like, why is my 10-year-old like this? Well, I, hmm. I don't want to point something out that's uh, that's sort of glaring to me. But in as long as your daughter has been alive... In that much more time, she could be married at the end of that time. Oh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> not acceptable. No. Nope. We're not ready. And nobody's good enough. That's the thing. Sure, sure, sure. So, sure. you know uh, how it goes. One other solid recommendation is you're a, a late child of the 80s. Uh, Cobra <laughs> Kai, if you haven't watched it, I know... Robert Casey, uh, Patreon Saint of the Cultural Hall, he's been raving about it. Or maybe it was Brent Schrader. I can't remember. Both are Patreon Saints, but both, uh, I, one of the two, I can't remember, have said, oh, I absolutely loved Cobra Kai. And now it has season four out and available. All right. Well, I will have to watch that the next time I get COVID. Because yeah. this is round three for me, and sure. I'm vaccinated. Sure. Sure. But apparently I just get it. Like yeah. once a year, my body's like, let's have COVID again. Yeah. It's not going <laughs> away. No, no. So, well, yay! All right. Uh, I I think that I've probably at this point offended anyone who's going to be offended, whether between the television talk or the wear a mask when your county health department mandates it. So let's uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll do actual articles of news. Hey, friends! Dan, the laptop man from PC Laptops. As you know, there's been a huge video card shortage for computers. We have tons of NVIDIA and AMD video cards right now available with complete systems. Check us out right now at PCLaptops.com. 
If you remember back in episode 564, we had Portia Louder here in the cultural hall uh, talking about her time in prison and sort of that redemption story. Her book is available on Amazon, and she would love to let you know that you can purchase it. It's called Living Louder. You can find a link for it in the show notes. And for the entire month of January, that is January 2022, if you email her, Porsche.louder at gmail.com. She will send you the audible uh, copy for free. Yeah, you get to hear her read it in her own words, her story and her experience. And guess what? I edited it. So how about that? That's a partnership. Uh, it's Portia, P-O-R-T-I-A dot louder, L-O-U-D-E-R at gmail.com. I know that you love free stuff and I know that you love to support those who have come into the hall. Listen to the episode 564 if you haven't and email Portia to get your free audible version. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second half of Articles of News, we do actual Articles of News. Go ahead and hit it, Peter. And away we go. It's fun having an almost judge here because we can talk about like legal matters in, in ways that I, uh, you know, can hopefully expound some knowledge to other folks to understand some of these things. And this is where I'm going. So there is a church house down in uh, Kirtland, and you're thinking Kirtland, Ohio, sure, where the saints came through and then they went west. No, Kirtland, New Mexico, not nearly as popular as the Kirtland, Ohio, as far as the church goes, but uh, vandalism there. And they have ta- they have talked about it's like thirty thousand dollars worth of damage at that particular church. Smashed out windows. They got into the bishop's office and smashed a bunch of stuff up. And then also um, there's a, an LDS church building in Park City, Utah, uh, where similar thing with rocks through windows, less amount of damage or whatever. But I w- I would think what little I know as far as classifications of things go, that that all of these things would be hate crimes because it's not like they're going and chucking a rock just at a house. They know that it's a house of worship and there's some sort of like intent as far as the you know, the group of people of whom they're vandalizing, isn't it? Or or where where what's the distinction with hate with hate crime that I'm missing? It depends. It you have to be able to establish the knowledge of the actor and that they acted and targeted that place. So if we have somebody that's just like drunk and they just thought, you know, Goldilocks defense, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I just came into this house and then there was this food and then, you know, this desk seemed like a nice place to sleep. But you have to prove that they knew that's an LDS church or that's a a church of God and I'm, I'm going against it or I'm writing something on the wall. So you really have to look at the investigation and what, facts you have to prove their mindset that it was motivated by religion or you know hate or something like that so i mean obviously if you're if they they're writing you know screw these people or like burn the mormons or something like that then you're like okay so obviously you targeted this place but Mm -hmm. if they're just you know somebody that was cold and needed a nap uh, they're probably not going to be prosecuted as a hate crime 
Okay. Okay. Good. Good distinction. We're learning all together. Uh, what about <laughs> this? This guy up in Idaho, and I'm not sure people may have been following this story uh, about the uh, the guy. As far as I can, as far as I can sort of um, deduce, he's maybe a less active member of the church. He's the sheriff of this particular county. Oh. Uh, they, they, the young women were delivering thankful turkeys to everybody on the ward roster. He got, he saw it on his porch, said, oh, I, what is this? And then chased the young women and the woman that was driving them around, took her out of her car by her hair and placed his gun against the temple of her head. This is the sheriff of this particular county said, who are you? Apparently they'd been in the same congregation or at least the same neighborhood for tens of years, maybe I think it's like 15 or 20 years that they'd been together, but he said he didn't recognize her. He's the sheriff of the town, and the ruling is he gets to keep his job. He just can't have guns. That's what they've decided. They said, listen, you can be the sheriff, but you're going to be, yeah, you have to give up your guns. We can't have you doing that. It's really rough because you really want your sheriff to have um, an authoritative position on things. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think that sounds like he's probably going to get challenged in the next election and lose his job because sure. people won't stand for for that. They're probably saving the county some money by a some sort of a lawsuit that might ensue um, because police officers are unionized. You know, uh, they they have a lot of sway and they've got a procedure administratively for how you go through um, taking their uh, peace officer's license. And so hmm. that's probably problematic. It's probably a balancing of the factors, but I don't think it's good for anybody to chase somebody down with a gun and hold their hair. I I don't know. Maybe he had threats against his life previously that made him a little bit paranoid and concerned about, about that. So. Well, he talked about how he, so he lives just off of an Indian reservation or Native American reservation. Mm-hmm. And he talks about he he makes fairly uh, several fairly racist comments about Indians oh. coming off of the the reservation. So I th- this is just the ruling so far. He'll actually appear for a trial at the end of this month, and so maybe it's just a we're going to let him work mm-hmm. in the office kind of for yeah. now until things either get ruled as a, you know, legally speaking, or like you say, maybe it's just waiting out the, the election process. Yeah. And that, that is common to be put on some sort of administrative leave while the investigation or when there, until there's a final determination. But I know from the TV show Yellowstone, (laughs) you should not do that to your neighbor Indian reservation. That is not kind. That's an unfair rap to give them. So Well, well, and there's repercussions if Yellowstone teaches you nothing. Yeah. You you absolutely yeah. don't want to do that. <laughs> if if for only just the repercussions that might occur. Now you brought a news story. Uh, go ahead. And... Mm-hmm. So this one came out of Austin, Texas, and there was a apartment fire, a 44 unit apartment fire in Austin that displaced 60 people. Um, and Bishop Sean Salisbury of the Mount Bonnell Ward which if you don't know, Richie, Mount Bonnell is a church history site that you accidentally go to and never purposely go to. But when you get there and you read the little plaque about Mount Bonnell, you say, well, hey, this is a church history site. There was a granary here that helped feed the people of Austin. This is, this is amazing. Anyways. Wait, wait. so it was like a, like, a, like a church granary? Yeah. So huh. Lyman, Lyman White 
came down here with a bunch of saints. And that was one of the first places they stopped was in Austin. And they built a granary on Mount Bonnell and it helped feed people. And then they, once they established that community, they then moved to Zodiac, which is further out and by Fredericksburg and saved that group, uh, that town from starvation because those people moved out there. They didn't know how to run a granary or how to, you know, get water places. And so they, they moved out there thinking they could do it and then didn't know what to do. And Lyman White showed up with Latter-day Saints and they taught everybody, you know, this is how you do like a water mill. This is how you do a granary. This is how you plant <laughs> and saved, saved two places here in Texas. So, so, so pause real anyway. quick. Is Mount Bonnell actually a mount? Because what I know of Texas and its geography <laughs> that I don't think that there are m- mountains, are there? Well, not, there are, we, there are mountains in Texas. There's Big Bend National Park in West Texas, which is a pretty amazing, it's part of the Rocky Mountains down there. Okay. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty backwoodsy, uh, Rocky Mountain area. That's, you know, it's a place you go without cell phone service and hope you don't get bit by a rattlesnake. Oh, okay. But it is, it is very mountainous. And then this part, we're in the hill country. So I would say Mount Bonnell is a very generous hill. Mm, okay. So, <laughs> so like Hill Bonnell probably didn't sound as good, so they decided yeah. to call it Mount Bonnell. Okay. Yep. But around this place in Austin, there's Far West. Like you'll go to Far West over there. So it's it's really interesting. So uh, Bishop Sean Salisbury, to get back to the story, got a call from the Red Cross early Friday morning, just after 6.30 a.m., to open the church building located at 1000 Rutherford Lane. The value of him answering the phone and coming down to open the building was invaluable and made a huge difference in these people's lives. That's from Austin Emergency Management. So, you know, I I love that we open our doors and say, you need a place to stay? Come hang out. And we're getting better. We're getting better about it, too. I think for a long time it was like, oh, no, no, no. It's Sunday for three hours. That's when it's open. But now emergencies and, you know, different things. I know in, uh, is it Boulder or Colorado Springs where that horrible fire was? I know one of the church houses Mm -hmm. there opened up for people if they needed to get out and needed a place to stay because people got evacuated. Yeah, I, I I heard and read that story this week. And what I loved about it is church members there went and made breakfast for everybody. They yeah. found out that they were over there and they said, well, now we're going to, we're turning this into a Denny. Yeah. We're going to make this work. So I love that too. It'll be three ninety nine, and it's uh, a grand slam. Uh, you can come through the line and a small yeah. orange juice will cost you $20. That's what they decided to do with that. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch this yet, but uh, it's two hours long if you decide to watch the whole thing. Um, I admittedly mm-hmm. haven't seen the whole thing, but um, the uh, funeral service for uh, Harry Reid, Senator Senate Majority oh. Leader Harry Reid, um, he passed away on the twenty eighth of December or, or mm-hmm. thereabouts. That was when uh, the first presidency issued the following thing. It says, on behalf of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we extend our condolences to the family of former Senator Harry Reid of Nevada. He was a devoted and capable public servant who is dedicated to his family, his faith, and his country. We're grateful for his tireless service in each of the facets of his life. We pray that Senator Reid's loved ones will be blessed and sustained at the tender time of his parting and in the years ahead. And so you think, okay, well, they issued a statement and people are like, how dare they? 
He was a mm-hmm. Democrat. There really is. Don't don't read the comment section. Four hundred plus comments about whether or not the church has, should have said anything about Harry Reid. And guess what? They'll say it when Mitt Romney dies. And guess mm-hmm. what? Anyone who serves, Mike Lee, anyone who serves in the Senate or the or the House of Republicans or as a governorship or any of these things, they will say we appreciate the things that these things that these people have done. I I think I feel comfortable making that statement. But what I didn't know since the time uh, of his passing and then learning more about him, instrumental in um, helping the um, the church get the, I think it's the Martin uh, Handcart Cove part of Wyoming for a long time. Um, for a long time, it was off of the table. The church was trying to buy it and be able to make it that church historical site that it is now. Um, Harry Reid several times went to try and say, hey, what about this? And tried to negotiate these things. And and finally, as part of a bill, uh, Congress approved the lease of the 940 acres at Martin's Cove to the church for 25 years. So you can thank, uh, you can thank uh, in part, Harry Reid for that. Also, the BYU Jerusalem Center, um, Harry Reid had a great deal to do with that. Other things that I learned uh, from, from watching... That is uh, M. Russell Ballard speaks. He's the first speaker. And I don't think M. Russell Ballard to be a funny gentleman, typically. I leave that Mm -hmm. to some of the other apostles. He's very, very humorous in the early parts of his uh, talk at Harry Reid's funeral service, including, because I didn't know this either, I think that um, Elder Ballard is blind in his left eye, and Harry Reid was blind in his right eye. And so he they would joke around together that said and say that they needed to walk arm in arm and they could see everything as they <laughs> made their way down the road. And I thought that was very, very funny and very clever. Yeah. Um and then also, and what I want to play a small little bit of is uh Brandon Flowers, who is a Nevada mm-hmm. resident. Uh, native, the I killers. think. Yeah, from the yep. Killers, lead singer, previous guest of the Cultural Hall. Again, another episode that you can find if you are a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall. He plays the piano and sings at Harry oh, Reid's funeral. I yeah, uh, sings. I hope the... he can do mine someday. Yeah, yeah. Listen, if you become a Supreme Court justice and he's <laughs> still around, he will do it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll ask him. He so. he sings sort of an acoustic piano version of the song "Be Still" by the Killers, and I'm going to share you the last minute because there's a, 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 a particular kind of LDS theme through it. So I'll play that, and then we'll come back. Is this real or just a dream? Rise up like the sun.
All right, so if you didn't recognize it, uh, that is uh, Brandon Flowers playing the the last little bit of God Be With You Till We Meet Again at the end of Be Still. It's from Harry Reid saying, it was great. Other people won't like the funeral service because Nancy Pelosi speaks as well Mm -hmm. as uh, former President Obama, current President Joe Biden. So certainly if you find yourself not in that particular party or favor, you... You find those things offensive, and you can't dare to stand to listen to those things. Well, here, let me ask you this. Do they make it political? I mean, I I think by very nature, I think that, I think by very nature it's political, unfortunately, right? Mm-hmm. Because, oh, yeah. because, because it, and, and someone pointed this out, it's the Woodstock of Democrats, right? It's the... Uh, Okay. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And they're right. It's the it's the highest and biggest democratic folks, but I think mm-hmm. if you can if you can look past it and be able to mm-hmm. to hear what they're saying about this uh you know someone who is a brother in our church. They they also talk about um how he was an amazing minister to uh Utah Senator Mike Lee. He was actually his literal right. home teacher to Mike Lee when Mike Lee was growing up. Yeah. Um Senator Reed's son and Mike Lee were best friends. And so, wow. yeah, very different politically, but it, it it's yeah. odd the connections that you have as far as all that goes. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, that's good. I'm yeah. going to have to watch the whole thing. So it's, it's two hours, be warned. And it's not as juicy as Yellowstone. So <laughs> there's, there's no, yeah. <laughs> uh, you you were talking about a, a football story, which I was impressed that you knew. Do you want to share that real quick? Yes. So Britton Covey, who plays for the University of Utah football team, he did a Zoom call with a missionary in England and right before they played in the Rose Bowl. And Britton talked a little bit about his mission and how the work that's done in the mission field is way more important than anything that he does on the football field. And the lessons learned there are so much more important than the lessons he learned on the football field. So it was kind of nice. I mean, nobody ever did that for me when I was on my mission. And if you can find the video, if they're down in the show notes, you see the missionary, he just sits there on the Zoom call, like jaw drops, like what just happened? Mm -hmm. I can't process this. It's really, it's really kind of sweet. And, you know, some days as a missionary, it's just, feels like a lot of the same and it feels like you're not seen. And so I think this was a nice way to feel, I don't know, a little bit pumped up and, and remember people back home are rooting for you, whether you really know them or don't know them, but what you're doing is good work and, and valuable lessons are being learned. So check it out. It's fun. If, if for nothing else to see that sweet elder, just kind of drop, drop his job and just feel like, I don't know what's going on. Did yeah. that just happen? Yeah. As so. a matter of, of complete transparency, this is where I let a little air out of that story. It, he, the guy, uh, Britton Covey, was paid to do it. It was oh, through yeah. the service Cameo. Um, mm. So people you can find, uh, not typically A-list or B-list celebrities, but people who are moderately famous and you can pay them to be able to connect them or send a message to someone else. And, and so, I mean, not to say that all that didn't occur and that it's still cool. Yeah. But it is interesting to note that as we make the shift with the NCAA where players can't make money, a year ago, Britton Covey wouldn't have been able to make money no. and do something like that. I think that he would have still done it for free if he could have been connected mm-hmm. and all of those things. But just because I saw it and I went, oh, that's really, oh, cameo was yeah. how that got connected. 
Well, and I think too, sometimes as a person, you don't know that there's people out there that want that or it kind of gets lost in the noise. So giving that opportunity, opportunity, Cameo is making it possible. So you can say, oh, there's a missionary. Could you some cheering up? Yeah. I can do it. And now then, you, you know, sir- Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, and then to use the money to take my family to Applebee's or, yeah. you know. Yeah. Or to fight the next round of COVID you get. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever it takes. Right. Now, Now, uh, I think we mentioned this the last time we did news, but I know that you have a personal connection, so I would be curious to you, uh, with the division of the mission in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. You've heard Mm -hmm. about that, that now, I guess it's it's, uh, essentially like BYU-Hawaii slash the Polynesian Cultural Center and North Shore is like Mm -hmm. one mission, and then the rest of Hawaii is another mission. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, that's sort of another news story that came out this week from the church. Um, I believe there were 117, I want to say it was 117 new, 164 new mission presidents and companions will begin their service in July with the exception of the LAIA visitor center. They started in January. Mm. So this is a, there are 164 new colonies. I always like to look through there, see if I know anybody see if anybody from my high school has, you know, ended up on the opposite end of prison. But um, for, for Hawaii specifically, I, I think it's a good move because um, that part of the mission was always their own little unit. I served on the outside of it. I was a full proselyting sister. And so I was on Oahu and Maui zone conferences on the big island and then back in Oahu. So I think that's a big uh strengthener to that mission and to what they can really do and you know events that they can plan firesides that they can they can have and can be a little bit more targeted and really the other thing I'll say about LAIA and BYU Hawaii they pull so many people from neighboring islands for education mm-hmm. that you really have a whole group of people that are coming to that area for a single purpose and now you can really hone in on it without going back through the chain of command and saying, we want to do this. Oh, do we invite everybody or do we just make a you guys? I don't know. Well, we don't want to give preference. We don't want to treat you more special than the saints in Maui or the saints on Kona or whatever. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's a good thing. And um, I'm excited for those those missionaries. I, I, I have also recently heard a little bit of uh, scuttlebutt, if you will that there may be a uh, temple on Maui announced at the next general conference. Small, you know, small temple, but that, that right there, you know, right there, I think it's in the Kihei uh, area that, that, that they've got some land there. They, they could actually do uh, just a small print temple. Absolutely. You know, I, my preference would be Kula, which is up on the mountainside. And I'll tell you why church history site is up there. I, when I was, on Maui, we lived in Kula, and you have the original chapel, and then you have the second chapel on Maui right next to each other. Mm. So we lived in the second chapel. They converted it into a missionary, a missionary apartment. But next door, you have the chapel where George Q. Cannon was uh, translating the Book of Mormon into Hawaiian. There are accounts, and I don't think that the church really holds this out as a historical fact, but there are accounts that George Q. Cannon saw Jesus walk on that property. Hmm. And so it's very sacred ground. It was, you know, a privilege to live there and to be right next door to that chapel. 
Um, but at the same time, you're, it's going to be harder for people to hike up Haleakala, hike up the volcano to go to that. So I can see them doing it in Kihei, but it is a very special, special um, island. Love That's Maui. Cool. Listen, I'll just take it because think of how many members of the church just travel there. You know, mm-hmm. vacation there. It seems like it seems like uh, members of the church in Hawaii were just like, yes, of course, the place we go, mm-hmm. it's Hawaii, and so why not let let each yeah. island, except for yeah. except for uh, you know, except for the oh, one island, you know, where yeah. where all the lepers hang out. Let's let's. Oh not no, let not a... that one. Molokai is good. <laughs> it's the other one. Um, it's smaller than that, but it there was a, a bit of a. Um, a church leader over there that started keeping all the tithing for himself and, and built himself a, a big house. I forget. I don't think it was called. It's, it's by Molokai. It starts with an L. It's really small, but uh, Lanai. Le, I think it's Lanai. Yeah. yeah. He, and poor Joe, I think it was Joseph S. Smith had to go over there and be like, listen, buddy, you can't keep tithing. This isn't okay. He had to put him in his place. So. But yeah, everywhere but that island, that poor island, they're they're working on stuff. Yeah, they and still gotta they still gotta fix some things. The the traditions <laughs> it, of their fathers. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, that's awesome. I hope that's true. Yeah, me me too. And why not, right? Yeah. If they're small and we got the money, let's do it. Let's make it so they don't have to travel a plane or a you can boat mm-hmm. to from island to island, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it mainly yeah, plane that does it? Uh, it's mainly plain, but you can boat. Um, I know that the, when we were on Maui, we would go to Kona, to the big island, to go to the Kona Temple. Um, and I think you can boat there, but I think that there's a waterway that's not great to pass through. It's kind of a swell area, if I remember. If I remember 16 years ago correctly, yeah. <laughs> that's or, what I learned. Or maybe not so swell of an area. <laughs> Stupid. I wouldn't know. I never was in a boat on the water because, yep. you know, missionaries don't do that. Yeah, the devil's on the water. Uh, yeah, interesting, interesting uh, fact. The uh, the temple, uh, we had all of our temples under, opera- under operation for about a second. And now yeah. <laughs> uh, the Montreal, Quebec temple has paused operations. Oh, it's man. officially in phase one, which is... Yeah. Uh, yep. Four temples are in 2B, 155 temples are in phase three, and 10 are completely closed, but I think those are closed due to like, you know, reconstruction. Yeah, yeah, renovation, remodel. Which is yeah. worth noting, you would think that uh, the world of temples exploded, what with the announcement that the Washington DC temple is going to be open house later this year. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been yeah. before? I have. I have. I spent a summer in D.C. in college, and uh, I enjoyed, I really liked that temple. So it's a good one. Yeah, it's the one that uh, I I love it um, because next to San Diego, it seems the most like castle-like, the most, yeah. um, a lot of people will relate it to Oz when they yes. have, there's that particular that particular bridge there on the beltway as you make yep. your way into DC and people will typically write surrender Dorothy uh, across <laughs> the bridge and, and you yep. see sort of the temple in the background, but they're doing an open house for two months at the DC temple. Oh, that's awesome. I might uh, have to figure out a road trip. You know, we took our kids to the Mesa, Arizona temple open house mm-hmm. um, over Christmas. Well, no Thanksgiving. And as I walked through there with my kids, they're, you know, 10 years old. The one I thought, this may 
be the only time we're all in the temple together. Because, you know, I don't know. I don't know what their life's hold, right? I don't know what decisions they'll make. And so I'm like, I'm just going to hang on to this memory. But you're telling me there's another chance. And so we yeah. might road trip up there so we can check it out. I mean, so. you'll yeah, you got DC this spring and you probably another one worth doing. And I don't even know how long it's going to be. But the Salt Lake Temple open house will oh, be yeah. massive. You yeah. Know, never before oh. will there be a bigger public affairs thing for the church. Probably what, four or five months, I would imagine. Yeah. You know. I hope so. I yeah. hope we can go to that one too. But but yeah, and, they're they're a great opportunity. I love that. And you got your hometown, the Taylorsville Temple. I know. You know, I was baptized. That was my stake center that they ripped down. I was baptized on that very spot into the church. See? And they ripped so holy ground. Yeah. So, yeah, it was interesting. What with me going to be the future mayor of Taylorsville? Uh, I'm not sure if you knew that or not. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to vote for you. As, as I made my way. <laughs> yeah, you're going to figure <laughs> out a way to do it. No voter fraud, no election yeah. fraud here, but I'm going to vote for you. Yeah, you'll figure that out. Uh, <laughs> that that temple site always sort of sneaks up on me. It's right there mm. off of the freeway, and I'm like, yeah, the temple's there, and it's just like, boom. Same with the one in Orem. I know we're getting very Utah-specific. Bear with us. We'll get international and national news. But the one yeah. in Orem, it seems like I went to bed one night, and then the next morning I woke up, and the Orem temple is 75% of the way built. It's just yeah. like, oh, there's there's it's the temple right there. They yep. just they go up real quick. So so yeah, that's neat. I'm excited for the Taylorsville one. That that's going back to my roots. Uh, let's do some quick news stories. I found this story to be interesting. Uh, rare books, the most expensive books and manuscripts ever sold. So this mm-hmm. is the top eight. Why they chose eight, I didn't know. Uh, but there is an association with the church. Number eight is Shakespeare's first folio. Um, that sold, uh, for 9.1 million back in 2001 and most recently at $13.8 million. Number seven was the Canterbury Tales, the first edition. Uh, it sold for $15.5 million if you account it for uh, inflation today. The St. Cuthbert mm-hmm. Gospel, believed to be produced in the 7th century. This copy of the Gospel is the oldest intact book in Europe, sold for wow. nearly $16.8 million, adjusted to around $20 million for today. Uh, number five is the Rothschild's Prayer Book. It's the most significant mm-hmm. illuminated manuscripts in the world. It was purchased for uh, 13.6 million, approximately 18.8 in today's money. The number four is the Magna Carta. Just yeah. one of 17 <laughs> known to exist was sold for what would nowadays be $39.6 million. Uh, sold to lawyers, lawyers love that one. Let is me it? Just tell you, that's why I'm like, yep, yeah, Magna Carta, we celebrate that. So. Uh, it is the foundation of individual rights in Anglo-American jurisprudence and dates back more yep. than 800 years. Yep. We celebrate, we, we did a big thing for like the 500 years or something. I don't even know what it was. They, whatever the years was, I remember there was a big attorney hubbub about it. So care to guess what the, uh, relation to the church in this article is the, I don't know, book of Mormon. It is in fact, the book of Mormon. It is the printer's oh. manuscript of oh. the book of Mormon. 
Uh, the manuscript, those, right? Yep, one of the most expensive ever sold. It's the handwritten copy of the original manuscript, which was pressed at the Grandin Press in New York. The church, that is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, bought it from the Community of Christ, which used to be the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, for $48.3 million back in 2017. The only oh. two, the only two uh, documents more expensive than that is the uh, first edition of the cop, uh, first edition copy of the U.S. Constitution at fifty nine point six million, and uh, the Codex Leicester uh, sold to Bill Gates for a thirty million dollars in ninety four. The Codex Leicester of Codex Hammer is the only notebook of Leonardo da Vinci. That was owned in private hand is owned in private hands today, valued at seventy two million dollars. I wonder if you got to keep it in the divorce. Yeah, yeah. Or did right. they just tear it in half? Yeah, you get half like at this time. So, and you know, Richie, if you and I and ninety eight of our friends put our money together, we each could put up five hundred thousand dollars and buy that manuscript. The church is. Uh, the Book of Mormon original. I mean, it's not that much money. Yeah, no, you know? no, I could certainly do that. Do you want that check today? Yeah. Do you have the other yeah, 98 yeah. people? I mean, let's just get 98 people. We can all yeah. pitch in. We can each have it, you know, for like two hours, switch it around. Well, so, you, know, you know who will not be donating to that cause, Chow? Who's that? Utah native Jeff T. Green, believed to be the wealthiest person to hail from the Beehive oh. State. He pledged to give away 90% of his wealth to philanthropic causes uh, during his life or at his death. He used to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and said, no thanks. He served a mission for the church, uh, graduated from BYU and said, you know what, I'm out. Not doing it, and I'm not leaving any money. He says, although I have deep love for many Mormons and gratitude for many things that have come into my life through Mormonism, I have not considered myself a member for many years, and I'd like to make clear to you and others that I am not a member in a letter that he wrote to President Nelson. He says, while I left the Mormon church more than a decade ago, not believing, attending, or practicing, I have not officially requested the removal of my records until now. To which I thought, when I first saw this story, I thought, okay, it's just a guy that, you know, just a guy like if you or I said, hey, you know what, I'm not going to go to, you know, I'm not going to belong to the church anymore, please remove my records. But it has circulated and recirculated and recirculated like all the news feeders that I get. Like that story has been a news story top five stories in the three weeks since it broke constantly there just because he's, you know, he's a billionaire guy and said, you know what, I'm out. And he ended up donating. Um, he's donated some money to, uh, the, um, equality Utah. Um, he also, I want to say has donated some money to Sunstone as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and some other organizations, uh, sort of church adjacent or certainly Utah adjacent. But as far as the church goes, he says, I'm not doing that. No, thank you. Well, I mean, PC with him, you know, I think right. that's okay. So. Yeah. But the, it, it's, it's odd to me, the fact that it's just been so prevalent in the news. I, I just sort of thought it to be someone resigning their church membership. And, and I guess that is all that it is, but um, yeah. Uh, other just sort of quick one-off stories, and I know you have one more that you were going to share, or maybe not. Uh, 
no, I think I'm. I think we got them all for me. Uh, President M. Russell Ballard, the surprising, the surprisingly uh, clever and funny M. Russell Ballard. His book <laughs> uh, sold out weeks after it's been released. Um, stock uh, from the second printing is limited because of supply chain issues, um, said Deseret Book President Laurel Day. Um, I like her. She's nice. Yeah, I would love to interview her. In fact, I think I have a connection to be able to interview her. So maybe mm-hmm. future episode of the Cultural Holidays, I hope so. Uh, the book about Dallin H. Oaks was another book that sold out. So the mm-hmm. most two recent um, apostle biographies from the church, both have sold out. It's worth noting. Some people would say, what's the difference between that and priestcraft? I would welcome anyone to explain me the difference of that, but whatever, it's fine. We don't need to talk about that. The idea of selling anyway. Makes for a good Christmas gift is what I'm, what I'm hearing is like people didn't know what to get people for Christmas. And they're like, ah, here's yeah. this book. <laughs> uh, there was an article, this was around Christmas, but I think it's worth noting because not all of these films are Christmas uh, movies, mm-hmm. but films that featured the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, then the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. I knew a few of these, but I didn't know all of them. Uh, Evan Almighty has uh, the Tabernacle Choir in it, singing This Land is Your Land. Uh, The the Tabernacle Choir's version of Joy to the World is in Deck the Halls. The Hallelujah Chorus Mm -hmm. is in the Santa Claus 3. Mm -hmm. The Tabernacle Choir sings Born Free in Madagascar. The Star Spangled Banner by the Tabernacle Choir is in the movie Stepford Wives. If you like a good film like Nixon, uh, you can hear the uh, Tabernacle Choir singing Shenandoah. Uh, mm-hmm. Silent Night is featured in A Christmas Story. Yes, that A Christmas Story that you watch on TBS <laughs> for 36 hours. I think I hours. remember that. Yeah, I remember that. And then finally, and I didn't know this, and I need to watch this, though I have no reason not to believe this, you can hear the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square singing the Battle Hymn of the Republic in the very popular uh, Weird Al Yankovic and Michael Richards film, UHF. UHF. I had I had no, no idea. I didn't, we're going to have to bust out the cassette tape, videotape, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> do, you still, do you still have a uh, VHS player? I do. Because my husband keeps all electronics. We just never know when it'll be relied upon again. But in college, I had UHF on a, a video. Okay. You know, I'd, I'd put it in my living room so the kids thought I was cool. Yeah, what I know about your husband, too, is that, like, he probably likes <clears throat> to go back to, like, the classic Nintendo on occasion and, mm-hmm. like, the old Betamax. Like, that seems to me very much what your husband would do. It is. And my, my kids... So when we talk about kids playing video games, most mm-hmm. kids play Fortnite or Mind Cube. Well, I forget what the other one is. Mind mm-hmm. Block, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. Not the wild children. Super Mario Brothers. That's what we know. Mario Kart. Like we, that's, that's what we're playing here. Zelda. Yeah. So my poor kids, they go to school and they're like, hey, I played Nintendo last night. And people are going to be, yeah, they say, oh, Fortnite? No, no. I don't know that. I always forget the mind one. It's like called Mind Cube. Somebody's going to comment on this episode and say... It's not Minecraft? Ah, Minecraft. That's what it is. I thought you already said Minecraft. Sorry about that. I don't know. Fortnite. Oh, Fortnite. You did. Yeah, Minecraft. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't get it. Donkey Kong. My kids know Donkey Kong. They know the story there. We debate, you know, the ethics of, of that relationship. 
between Diddy and Donkey Kong. Sure, sure. So, you know. <laughs> Good kid. Maybe Good the princess for- doesn't need saving. Maybe she's just an independent yeah. woman who's doing whatever she wants. Yeah. Huh? Did right? you ever think about that? She could work it out if you give her enough time. So... Uh, other other quick stories. Uh, there was an article about So Delicious uh, and the big soda mm-hmm. shops. Uh, Fizz is another one. Um, Swig, another popular one. These are uh, soda shops, essentially like your uh, like your neighborhood coffee shop or maybe like your neighborhood bar, uh, popping up, especially in the Intermountain West. Um, but mm-hmm. there are places where you just go, you get yourself dirty soda, typically, or you get like fruit mixed with your high caffeinated beverages and. And just talking about how they're proliferating the West and how Mm -hmm. starting to gain in popularity and make their way East. But the sort of the connection, certainly in the state of Utah, with how many members of the church don't drink alcohol and or coffee. So that's why they're so popular here. Just sort of an interesting piece. We'll make that available in the show notes. Um, in In the Newport Beach Boat Parade, the uh, themed boat that won Best Music was um a light the world themed boat so congratulations wow. members of the church who put together that in the 113th annual christmas parade of watercraft 113 years of watercraft parades i had no idea <laughs> yep uh we do the, the first ever ysa ward has now been created in tonga the nation of tonga Ooh. which i think is exciting yeah uh, i agree the uh, Utah State University um, police chief uh, stepped down after what he said about uh, LDS women, how sometimes they'll have consensual sex, and then when they feel bad about it or they go and talk to their bishop, he said, you have to be careful, especially for LDS women, because if they feel bad about it, they'll say that it wasn't consensual and mm-hmm. said that to the the uh, Utah State football team. And so... You can bet wow. that, that he found himself in a lot of hot water. The uh, the coach also was there, but they decided to do an independent inv- in, uh, investigation into the coach because later that week was also the Utah State um, bowl game. And if they would have put him on probation, he couldn't have been able to coach in that particular bowl game. Wow. Is that conspiracy theory? Is that me being cynical? Yeah. Am I far off? I don't know. I don't know. Good. Can't say stuff like that. Need some training. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if I say allegedly, that's all okay, right? If I end it with allegedly on all those things, then I get myself out of trouble, right? Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Other just quick things. The six-year-old who is a member of the church who saved his sister from a dog attack was able to visit uh, Tom Holland and Zendaya on the Spider-Man set. That has mm-hmm. circulated again since uh, Spider-Man uh, came out. Um, said He said, I'll never forget the grace and kindness uh, that was showed. Zendaya immediately approached my teenage daughter, told her how much she loved her nails. I don't know if she'll ever know how much that simple act means to me to see my sweet daughter light up with the self-confidence and joy, said the father of, of the six-year-old and of the, all the other ones. Um, the church is now complete in doing its uh, updating of the general handbook. Never again will we have a print version of the general handbook. Never again will we have a restricted, you can't see portion of the mm-hmm. general handbook. And now, the thing that's interesting to me is now I think 
we're going to have revisions that'll come out and it'll be one of those things where it'll be some branch president or bishop somewhere who will find one of the new changes and go, wait a minute, I didn't know this. Like when they mm-hmm. are trying to get further light on something rather than the church saying, hey, these changes have been made. They'll just sort of update the app, update the handbook, and then it'll be that bishop that goes, wait, we do this? I need I need no more information on whatever that change may be. Yeah. Um, they make it more, hey, this has happened. Don't excommunicate or just fellowship membership or have a membership council about this or something. You know, right. hopefully right. They, we don't like get surprised and then people in Ghana are being membership counseled for something that's fine to do in Texas. Right, so. right. Yeah, especially Texas. That's a very valid point, especially in Texas. Uh, There is a a wealthy, um, or rather, David Nolan, who is uh, an artist of sorts. He wrote a musical. It's scheduled to debut in March. It satirizes the wealth of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, After his marketing business collapsed and a home repair wiped out his savings, he was in crisis. He went to the bishop and said, hey, I, I need some help. I need, can you help me pay my rent? Can you, you know, help me pay my mortgage? We're in a bad way because of all these things that happened. And that Bishop Nolan says authorized him to receive $40 worth of food for the plight that he was in. Not particularly pleased with that. He decided to go ahead and write this, uh, this musical sort of satirizing the fact that the church has a hundred billion dollars, but that he could get $40 for food when he needed help. The show is called The Good Shepherds. Uh, It satirizes the church's enormous financial portfolio and the accusations that it is stingy in providing humanitarian aid. Unlike the popular Broadway musical The Book of Mormon, Nolan said his show does not mock the faith's practices or beliefs. So it's merely just satirical on the particular financial situation in the church. And as far as I've been able to gather from online, I think he still is a member of the church, at least for now. He just is like, wait, you, we have $100 billion and you could give me $40 for food? Curious. He may be a future episode of the Cultural Hall if I can track him down. I'd love to know a little bit more of his story. Yeah, uh, from what I can see, he's up in Cache Valley, father of six. Um, so I think, I don't, I don't know all the facts or what the bishop's decision was, but you know, I don't know, I guess that's how it is in Cash Valley. Well, and I mean, that aspect of everything is so interesting because like where there are some bishops and, you know, just, just in the same way where you get sort of roulette as to misbehavior within the church, there are some bishops Mm -hmm. who will say, listen, these things are hard. Let's just try our best and we'll work together and you can do that. And then there are other bishops that will say, out, we're, ha- we're holding the council and, you know, it's a council mm-hmm. of love, but this needs to be done. And similarly, it's sort of this welfare church ro- roulette where it's like anything we can do, however, mm-hmm. however we can work and walk alongside you, know that the church's resources are here for you. And then other individuals who are like, nah, get a job. Yeah. Yeah. You have cable, disconnect cable. You got a car that you could sell, sell the car and, you know, that get really involved with it. So I'm, I'm suspecting though, I don't know. And it's worth the follow-up interview that it's probably the latter of those two and someone who just Mm -hmm. was fairly stringent as far as that goes. Uh, Well, I, yeah, let's keep going. No, 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 please. Cause the next one gets no better. 
Okay. Well, I was going to say at the very least, it should start a conversation, you know, about when do we help? How do we help? What do we decide is worthy of help? You know, can we, are we feeding the strangers in a distant land and ignoring the neighbor next to us that's suffering? Sure. So, yeah, it's interesting. So I hope that starts a good conversation. Yeah. And to be clear, because everyone will undoubtedly from where we started to where we are now, oh, it's that bleeding heart. He just wants to take care of everyone and give them everything for forever and enable them. I am very much a fan of like, hey, the way the church has set it up, which is like, you go to your family, your family can't help, we'll help you. And as part of us helping you, we say, here are some things that you have to be doing along the way to be able to get it. And it's not things Mm -hmm. that are out of reach. It's not things that are disproportionate to the expectation. But if you're getting assistance from, from church or government or anywhere, it shouldn't ever be, or very rarely be, hey, we're going to just give you this. No, it's fine. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it. Don't worry about anything. I don't think it helps anyone. I don't think anyone learns anything from it. And I don't think it helps you return to, to where you need to be. We'll end on this. A former, okay. do- a former doctor whose medical license was revoked in 2019 has been accused in Las Vegas of making a false terrorist threat against the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Isaac Hearn, who is 55, was arrested after a recorded telephone call to church headquarters. He identified himself as his name, <laughs> said, hey, j- <laughs> just, just so you know, it's Isaac Hearn, and I'm threatening to kill everyone in the building. He uh, got that from Abinadi. Yeah. I just want you to <laughs> know. He, yeah. I am Abinadi. Yeah. Oh, man, uh, why'd you come in hiding this? Yeah. Uh, police said that the church reported receiving prior calls from a caller identified as Hearn, so this wasn't the first time. Oh. Witnesses told police that Hearn is a former eye doctor from Reno. Um, he's frustrated and angry that previous donations that he made to the church were not refunded. Um mm. They say that he's acknowledged acknowledged calling the church and told police that he blamed the church for his professional and financial calamities in his yeah. life. Uh, court records show that Hearn appeared Thursday on a felony terrorism charge before a Las Vegas judge who ordered his release from jail on high-level electronic monitoring and yeah. ordered him to stay away from anyone having to do with the Mormon church. So, mm-hmm. Well, good. Hopefully he gets some help. Uh, and and we should say, uh, kind of in closing, if you have not checked out the Instagram account, Tiny Kindnesses, mm-hmm. tiny, is it kindnesses or kindness? Just kindness. kindness. Yeah, Tiny Kindness. Tiny Kindness. Yep. Uh, it's worth the follow and check out. You want a little hope and inspiration. Maybe that closer of the Cultural Hall episode didn't do it for you. you want a little <laughs> uplift. Uh, at Tiny Kindness. Encourage you to check that out. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. And... Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember what we say. I, you know, and it's not fair of me to do it to you because you aren't on frequently enough, but um, that if you weren't healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy mm. enough to listen next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. Now, here's the part that I never remember. In the meantime, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, Brother Brent, and Chocolate Cake Bites podcast will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat on the back row.